I'm Andrew Junker with Roman Honeycutt. Hi. And this is why we do this. Episode 19 of Why We Do This. Uh, It's December. This is the last episode of 2016. How do you want to... How do you want to... It's... I mean, I think we... We want to... We have to mention um, that uh, the events of uh, this weekend, of Friday... um, uh, the horrible, awful tragedy that happened here in Oakland at uh, the Ghost Ship venue. Um, uh, I don't really know what to say about it. I don't yeah. think any of us know what to say about it. We're not trying to... Uh, I think we just want to acknowledge how awful this all is and um, that, you know the people that have been affected and their families and their friends, you know, it seems like it's, they were a lot of artists and creative people and, uh, you know, I was thinking how, I mean, we've all here in Oakland been to so many of those shows and, and uh, lived in those spaces, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what to say other than just, uh, um, our, our, we're all in kind of a fog right now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people we know have lost people very close to them and, um, it's awful. Um, and, uh, we are going to post a link, uh, to the, uh, youcaring.com site. There's been a, a, a fund set up by uh, gray area foundation for the arts who are awesome, awesome people. Um, so um, would definitely uh, recommend you check that out. And um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, we had talked about it a little bit before, you know, before recording the this intro, just that for us, I think it's important just to, to, you know, just to take a moment to, uh, you know, acknowledge how sad mm-hmm. and and tragic it is, and and you know that our hearts go out to everybody that's been affected by this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and wanted to do something just to, you know, a- a- additionally kind of show some some resources to give support and and to help you know anybody in need out. Um, yeah, it's definitely. Um... Yeah, I don't. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> no, it's 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 awful. Yeah, I mean, we still wanted to put out the podcast. Like, yeah. we still wanted to put this out, and so, you know, to kind of awkwardly segue into this, but you know, it's it's. Uh, we had a really amazing talk with um, you know filmmaker by the name of uh, Mackenzie Mathis, who is here in Oakland. Um, really, really awesome guy that we've known for years. Um, and he's a you know, director, cinematographer, um, I think another guy that kind of does whatever it takes on set <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get things done. Yeah. Um, and so um, 
uh, AJ and Chris uh, had an awesome conversation with him, and uh, I think it, again, didn't go as expected, which I think is always good. It's um, the fun of it. You yeah, know? it didn't go into typical kind of uh, territory. Mackenzie's a very um, interesting dude. Um, you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I mean, he's just a very introspective artist. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the, the conversation, while we're talking about film, we're also just talking about the world, which I think is is interesting. I think mm-hmm. as filmmakers, it's something that we, we, we do, we need to do, we need to have, you know, uh, uh, thoughts and opinions about, the world in order to translate that into some kind of art. Um, and, and so it's, it's cool for me to always hear kind of where people come from, what, what they gravitate towards, what they think is interesting and mm-hmm. what inspires them to turn that around and create something that is a, you know, a, a narrative piece, a documentary, a, a, a whatever, you know, and, and it's not always such a one-to-one relationship, which is yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. I really like that about, just hearing him talk was he looks at being a filmmaker as just a part of who he is and not like he has to do certain things to be that person. He's Mm -hmm. just like, like what did he see? He said he could make another feature now or or not, you know, but he's still going to just keep making things or he's still going to be thinking about the the film. And and, and that's just kind of an interesting way to look at it. Um, Yeah. So we had a, it was just a really awesome conversation and uh, really excited for you guys to hear it. So here we go. When did you get that bug? When did you get inspired? What what was the moment or, or time period where you kind of decided that you at least wanted to start exploring? Wow, it's going way back. Uh, I grew up in Fresno, so it's pretty much steeped in mainstream culture. There's really no access to, no easy access anyway, to like, you know, alternative sort of films or music or anything like that, which is, it's, that's changing. But when I grew up, it was like that. And then um, I went to Fresno City College and I took a film class, and my film teacher was this awesome old guy named Jim Piper. And he showed me films by, like, Jim Jarmusch and Wong Kar Wai and John Sayles, people like this. And so that's when I was kind of like, oh, you know, this is really fun. And I wanted to find something that I didn't think I'd get tired of. And film just seemed like like it was it, especially the more I learned about it. You know, it's like I don't think there's ever a way to perfect it. It's always something that will sort of have you trying harder to do better. And so, you know, I just went, I just stuck with it. I didn't think I'd stick with it this long or I didn't know, mm-hmm. um, but it just kind of happens that way, you know? It's like the, to understand the idea that it, perfection is a very unrealistic piece in the... <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's it's good to have something that you can try and fail at and no one's really affected by it if you fail, you know? Like, we're not doctors. We don't have people's lives in our hands. It's really just our pride <laughs> you know that's at stake so uh it's been it's been fun i think it's been a good choice i don't think i'd have made it this far as like a computer engineer or a i don't know lawyer or whatever <laughs> i'm too easy to lose an argument I don't, I don't really care so do you at this point do you consider yourself a cinematographer a director a producer like what if you if somebody asks you what you do what's the first thing that you say uh lately i've been saying I work in the film industry because it's so vague. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other day I got the idea that my new title is going to be part-time visual artist, which I think, you know, 
I think that's appropriate. Okay. Because uh, I think as time goes on, I sort of identify less and less with the work mm-hmm. and more and more with um, existing in the world and having the work is just like a part of it, you know, mm-hmm. as a part of life. I feel like, you know, since I was like 20 years old, it's been pretty much my entire reason for being, you know, like cinema and sort of striving for this stuff. But, you know, striving sort of wears off after a while, I think. So now I'm just a little more comfy. If I never make another movie again, I'd probably be fine with it. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, I I look at it more of just as just like a a part of who I am Mm -hmm. and what I want to do. Have there been points in in time when you're working on a project, whether it's yours or someone else's, where you sort of question that, like, why am I why am I doing this? Why am I still sticking it out this long? Yeah, all the time. And, but it's usually not creative projects that make me think that way. It's usually, you know, bread and butter type stuff. Mm-hmm. The stuff that you, you know, say you're on a job and you realize that this is the 20th time this year that I've recreated this basic, you know, same basic lighting setup or gone through this same kind of interview. It gets kind of monotonous and old when you're sort of doing the same thing over and over. And I feel like here with the type of work we get or the type of work I get anyway, it's usually just interviews and B-roll and then cut it to music. And so, I don't know, how many times can you do that before it gets stale? I definitely, depending on the project, I not necessarily justify, but I find the thing that makes it important, useful, what I learn from it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always there's always something. And I think that's part of what keeps it fresh for me. It's like, okay, this is this may be the same project, you know, that I've done, you know, hundreds of times, but this time I get a little something out of it. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll focus on that being the, the you know, what I learn, what I gain. Yeah. Do you, how do you... <laughs> That's a good idea. I'm going to try that. <laughs> do, you, do you think of it, because it is an interesting, like, you know, it's like the, the bread and butter, like you're saying, and then, you know, the quote unquote passion projects, mm-hmm. um, they do fit in the same world yeah. you know and mm-hmm. so it's like you can burn yourself out on doing so much you know bread and butter work that isn't your passion but it's mm-hmm. still on paper the same it's still movie making you know it's like yeah yeah um and uh, you know you guys do some really cool work i i work on a lot more stuff that's highly budget driven mm-hmm. you know like most of the decisions are made based on budget or deadlines mm-hmm. so yeah i i do get a little bit of a kick out of trying to do as much as possible with as little as possible, you know? And I think that goes back to, like, the SF State days. Because, hmm. like, you know, I'll try to make it look as good as, as possible, but with the most ghetto equipment <laughs> we could get because we didn't have any money to rent anything, you yeah. know? So that kind of stuff makes me feel decent hmm. if it comes out well. If it comes out poorly, then it just makes you feel kind of like, what am I doing this for? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like the the biggest reward that I get from working in this industry is just the people that I get to be around. Mm-hmm. I sort of made a transition to be more of an editor a few years ago, and so now I do like a pretty even split between shooting and editing. And the shooting just calls to me all the time because you're there with other people, you know. Whereas with your when you're editing, I'm just sitting in my basement by myself. Yeah, and that's not as fulfilling at all. You know what I mean? I get my energy from being alone, but I also get my sort of artistic fulfillment from being around other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely like like being on set is one of the best things. Yeah. You know, 
it can suck <laughs> for sure, but it's like, it's about working with people. It's about problem solving. It's about coming up with something and being a team, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And when it does suck, at least you have a story to yeah. tell your friends about, yeah. you know, and then when well, you it, get home. And you have shared experiences with the people that you were yeah. involved with, yeah. you know? Like, and that's, and that's something too, that it's like, even when it's the worst, you can at least like, you know, like share a, a look with somebody being like, well, <laughs> here we are, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, shared many looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> but you also do a mix of like more kind of, you know, corporate work, but then also you shoot like narrative yeah. films as well. Yeah, yeah. And I actually don't really promote any of the corporate stuff. Like mm -hmm. I don't have a corporate reel. I don't have any samples of corporate work on, on my website or anything like that. And that's simply just to sort of gear the type of work that I'm approached with mm -hmm. toward the more creative what I think I'm actually better suited for, mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like, you know, I've learned, I've sort of learned how to fake the corporate stuff. Like I can make it look glossy and clean or whatever, but um, that's not where my heart lies, you know? It's like promoting businesses and stuff like that is not yeah. necessarily where I want to go. So yeah, for me, it's sort of the, um, the non-corporate stuff, like the more creative work. I, I try to sort of do the bread and butter work as much as possible to save up money in order to be able to do those small things, you mm. know, because this creative stuff I work on doesn't ever really pay, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it doesn't even cover expenses. So it, yeah, it's kind of like a, what do you call it? Just a cycle. Yeah. Like a masochistic cycle. <laughs> <laughs> How much of the work are you actively seeking versus being, having projects brought to you for, for creative and, and uh, stuff? Most of them are pitched to me at this point. Uh, the only things that I'm actively sort of trying to trying to go after are directing projects, mm. which is, you know, I have a few scripts sort of on the back burner that I'm, that I should, you know, get moving on and try to find support for. But all the shooting stuff is all just, you know, people ask me. It's usually people I've worked for before or people who've recommended me as someone who can do a good job for cheap, probably, because mm -hmm. they never have money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, one of these days, someone's going to recommend me to somebody who does have money, and that's going to be, like, a game changer. But for now, it's all just really small stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm shooting a short uh, in, like, two weeks for this guy, Tommy Harkness, who I've shot for before. I'll be doing a short in L.A. in January for this guy, um, David Hunter Jr., who I've worked with before in a, in a different capacity um, and hopefully shooting a feature in March uh, in Ohio, depending on if funding comes through for this project that I've been pitched. Cool. So it's all just, you know, sort of long-term things for me to look forward to. And in the meantime, I just try to make enough money to survive and be home enough to keep my wife from killing me, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> do you have any goals or like, like, how do you, how do you think about it? Cause it's like, I know a lot of times I'll talk to people and they say, like, if I get one big creative job a year or if I get one cool, you know, short every couple of months, like, I'm I'm good. Mm -hmm. Do you have any kind of, like, those kind of goals? Do you think of it that way? Uh, I used to. Writing and directing and then getting that made and finished. That used to be sort of the overall goal for me. And I think that sort of changed once I wrote and directed and made a feature that got finished. Mm -hmm. And then I realized there's this whole other half to it after the movie is done that I'm really 
not only not interested in, but also not very well suited for, mm. you know, like the whole uh, distribution, promotion side of filmmaking. Oh, so you're, yeah, so you're talking about like it's done, but you're not, yeah, it's not over. Yeah, but see, to me, it's over <laughs> Yeah. at that point. <laughs> to me, it's like, that's why no one's seen my film is because I it's done and I'm like, okay, what's next, you know? So now, you know, I've been writing since then, which is... I don't know, maybe that means after I'm dead, someone will discover these movies that I made for really cheap that no one's ever seen. That'd be nice. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't, yeah, I don't know. The drive is not there. I mean, I know this is totally like not, this isn't appropriate for this podcast, but the drive no, of isn't not. there. I mean, that's, I, <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because it's like, I think there's, like I've been recently thinking about just the whole concept of like artists who never really release their art. And mm -hmm. it's like we're in a time period now where the producing of it and, this, and the releasing and the success seems like it should be the goal, mm -hmm. you know, where mm -hmm. it's like you look at painters yeah. and, and, you know, Van writers Gogh. and yeah. all these people that like some of them didn't even want any of, the, you know, it's like Chopin wanted half his stuff burned and you know, so <laughs> Kafka, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. like stuff that was, was deemed like not good enough for whatever, or mm -hmm. it wasn't the goal, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we're in a time and it's, it, I'm sure it's ebbs and flows, but it's like we're in a time yeah. where it's like, you should also be seeing success of that. You should also be your own like distributor if you're going to be truly deemed a artist. Yeah, or yeah. And I think it's kind of like, you know, the way it's viewed now, it's almost like, okay, if you make this, but you don't want to promote it, well, that's half the job and you have to do that. So if you don't do that, then some something's wrong with you, mm -hmm. you know, then you're just not after the right thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I just want to make things. I don't really care too much about selling them. I want people to see them. But, uh, you know, my main drive is to make stuff. And I don't really do it because I think about it. It's just mm -hmm. kind of a thing, you know, like, mm, that's just how I spend my time. So, yeah, this whole, I mean, it's new now, you know, with new sort of the Internet and budgets falling constantly. Like, you kind of have to be your own publicist and things like that. But for those of us who just aren't good at that stuff, it's like, okay, well, you have to have some money to hire somebody to do that. Or you just, yeah, it'll be like you're not taken seriously by some people, hmm. which is, you know, fine. Do you think like just doing things for your own artistic merit and to put them out is sort of like a response to doing all this corporate shit where you're just doing it <laughs> and it's constantly like, you know, yeah. it's like all of that is, it's just a sausage factory, right? You're like, yeah, yeah. you said it. Doing an interview B-roll, music, put it on the internet, mm -hmm. it's already got a distribution network, like, depending on who you're working for, and so a million people are going to see it, and then mm -hmm. the next one's going to come in, and you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again, you're just making advertisements, right? Yeah. That's what we do, yeah, like, yeah. we get it, it's what we we know, and so, like, when you're making something for yourself, maybe that's just not as important to have that end result, you yeah. know, because you already know how the, the sort of machine works and the factory works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're pretty spot on, because... For instance, 10.11.02, we made that because my uncle was just like, hey, don't you think this make a good movie? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you should uh, do that or you should find someone to help you with that. And he's like, well, why don't you do it? And I was like, yeah, OK. <laughs> and that was it. You know, yeah. and that's re really why I did that. I mean, if he hadn't asked me to do that, I never would have made that movie mm -hmm. because I was interested in narrative, uh, you know, movies. And his particular story seemed, uh, I mean, it was interesting but it wasn't something that would have grabbed me right away, you know. Even though it had these really great sort of visual elements to the story, 
it was only him asking me that made me be like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And so I think another sort of through line in the, the type of work that I like to do is I, I want to be able to help people, you know? Mm-hmm. So in that case, I felt like, all right, I'm helping my uncle do this, so I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, or in most of the films that I shoot, it's in order to help people out because they don't have the money to hire somebody good, um, and I'll do it for free, mm-hmm. you know? I'll do I'll do it for cheap for friends. Yeah, yeah. Like you're saying, it's like you've you've done the the assembly line work for so long that any creative project I'll take. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I'm not in love with the script or whatever, um, just any chance to get back on set and to do things the way I like to do them, to work mm-hmm. with the people I like to work with. And then it's a bonus when the script is good. You know, like um, the script that David Hunter Jr. just sent me a couple of months ago. I mean, I fell in love with the script. As soon as I read it, I was like, I really, really want to work on this. And so I think I'm high on his list, mm-hmm. um, but he lives in L.A. and they have budget, you know, issues. So he doesn't know about uh, flying me down there and putting mm-hmm. me up for whatever it is, a week or two to shoot it. So we're still sort of talking about it, but I really hope I get to work on that because it's like, you know, once something comes along that really piques your interest, it's, it's kind of a rare thing. You yeah. know, it's yeah. a lot of scripts out there and not all of them are outstanding depending on the amount you know because there's there's parts of it where you can only be there for you know a day or a short amount of time but the more you really are a part of the project it's a huge investment of time mm-hmm. yeah like are you okay with the investment how do you kind of view that oh yeah i'm fine with it i mean uh sometimes it's hard sometimes it affects other parts of my life sort of negatively like i'm sure my wife doesn't like having me gone for a month at a time mm-hmm. it becomes really hard especially because I'm used to, like I said, I'm a part-time visual artist. So part of the time I'm home helping out with the kids and everything. So when I'm not there, it becomes a lot harder for for everyone else at home. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we sort of had an agreement when we decided to go down the marriage road and the kid road, like, okay, this is where I'm trying to go and this is what it might involve. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, we've been able to make it work so far on on long-term stuff. And hopefully that continues because, you know, shooting features sure beats shooting corporate industrials, you know. Talk a little bit more about um, 10.11.02. That was a few years in the making, right? 10.11.02 was, uh, I think, about six years in the making. Wow. Yeah. So actually longer than that if you count. So the, the very first stuff we shot for that film was in 2000. Three. Um, it was right after my uncle was abducted, and it was when I was in film school as an undergrad. And we shot an, an interview with him on a mini DV camera, and a little bit of the footage ends up in the film. Very At the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, you know, I was thinking like this is going to be the movie, and then obviously you realize quickly like this looks like crap. You know, <laughs> like this cannot be a movie. <laughs> yeah. And so. I kind of just shelved it, and then he left me alone about it. And then in about 2009, I want to say, when I was finishing up grad school, he just asked me again, like, hey, do you want to pick this up again? And at that point, I thought, okay, I know more people. I'm better at what I do. Mm -hmm. I was about to finish school, so I felt like I had time to invest in the project. And so then we really just started planning it. And so we shot most of it in 2010. We really didn't shoot for that long. I think the total shooting days was probably like about two weeks. Wow. Yeah, it was, or maybe even less. Um, then the editing process was really long because I was, you know, working and taking care of 
other stuff. And then I got stuck for a long time on it because we didn't go into the shoot with a plan at all. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't even have an outline for what the whole thing should be. And so when I started editing, I realized, okay, I have these really great sections, but I have no way to intertwine them, to weave them together. And I had all this interview footage from my family um, that I was really hell bent on working into the film, but that just wasn't really wanting to go anywhere. And so I basically just gave up on it and was like, this is just going to be a dead film. Maybe I'll release like little sections here and there as mm-hmm. like little 10-minute shorts or whatever. Uh, and then I gave it to my wife, Aiko, who's also an editor, um, just to play with. And in about a month, she completely restructured the whole movie hmm. and gave it back to me. And from that point, I could see the whole thing with fresh eyes. I didn't feel the need to like work in the footage that wasn't working. Mm. Uh, and so I just basically took what she gave me and ran with that. And that's what became the final film. Wow. And uh, yeah, so she basically saved that film for me. And then after that was done, that was probably like 2012, uh, around there, maybe 2013. And then, yeah, the whole issue with music, like I had used all this temp music, a lot of really great stuff like Ligeti. There's a lot of Ligeti in there. Um, some Chopin, there was a lot of, uh, let me see, there was some Brian Eno, some Bowie, there was like a lot of stuff in mm-hmm. there. Um, and even for festival rights, it was going to be like the responses I could get were responses like, okay, that'll be $10,000 for festival rights. <laughs> and I had like 10 pieces of music and only, like half the people wouldn't respond to me and I couldn't afford a music supervisor. So I just was like, all right, I guess I'm just going to have to redo this whole thing. And I was really resistant to that for a long time because, yeah. you know, I thought this music is perfect. And this is a real aside, but my mom, who's really uh, into sort of the spiritual realm, uh, she <laughs> talked to a medium and the medium told her that my grandpa, who had died uh, in 1999, told her that he really liked the way my movie was coming along and don't change the music because it works perfectly. The the music that the le- would like, cost you a shit ton of yeah, money. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to find a way to do this, you know, because <laughs> Grandpa says, you know, don't don't touch it. Yeah. And so, but then after like a year, I was like, I, I'm i sorry, I yeah. have to. So at that point, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll change it, but I'll try to keep the f- same feel. Mm-hmm. And I did my best. You know, I can see in certain places my mind goes back to the temp music. I'm like, man, that was a, a great moment. Yeah. Um, for instance, there's this one Chopin, it's like a piano sonata, mm-hmm. that the composition was in public domain, but the recording was not. Yeah. And so I couldn't use the recording. So I had to get a pianist, local pianist, re-record it, which she did, but the tempo was off. And so when I sat back in the editing studio to put the song in, it wasn't timing out the same. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I made it work, but the original, to me, works a lot better. But no one else would know that, yeah. you know. Vim Vendors put out a list, his, like, 50, like, pieces of advice for filmmakers, and one of them in there is don't fall in love with your temp music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can second that. It's not a mistake I'll ever make again. I think I'm just going to not use music anymore. Just have it, you know. Really? Yeah. Unless uh, unless it's something that's made by me or a friend right. who will just give it to me. But I think there's a lot of really great movies out there with no music anyway. I yeah. just um, <laughs> I just f- finished a cut of a short that 
it's I mean it's two people in a in an apartment and mostly out of necessity because it's just like taking the time to record something is just one more step to delaying this thing getting finished but there's something really nice about the stillness of just not having mm -hmm. music yeah you know I mean the the story has to be compelling enough mm -hmm. you know I mean it's just such a balance but it's like you can totally it could be a cop out if you put music in a scene yeah. to elevated emotionally because there's nothing there to elevate yeah. there's just nothing there on its own you yeah know? yeah or it could um you know the same scene without music could say something totally differently mm -hmm. emotionally you know yeah. or um or yeah sound i mean there's so many many things you can do with sound design that might be better than what you could do with music yeah yeah music is it's a really there's a fine line to walk with music i think you know mm -hmm. because it is really convenient and really valuable in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it could be a crutch and it could be sort of a cheap way out if you're trying to solve a problem with it. Yeah. Well, it's every trailer for like comedy movies generally has the same piece of music. Yeah. Hey, hey, but every, hey. it's that, but like a lot of like, a lot, a lot of like sports movies or underdog movies always use yeah. like the same like, mm -hmm. uh, like inspiring track. It's Action just the same, the same one. Too. It's, yeah. it's always the same, and you're right. It's just a cheap like trick to like, yeah. push it forward. I, re I remember when uh, every trailer for a while had uh, Carmina Barona in it. The la da 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 la da da da. As like buildings are like collapsing. Yeah, it's just like every yeah. single trailer. Yeah. <laughs> and then for a while, it was the uh, the Chris Nolan like bow bow bow. Still around, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And see, that's the thing. It's like, and and that's sort of says a lot about the industry as a whole because people are just doing what's worked in the past. Mm -hmm. That's what the industry is kind of known for, you know? It's really hard to find someone who will defy a convention or will take a risk to do something new. That also pertains to the way we make a living. It's all the yeah, same shit. Exactly. Over. I mean, it's just a smaller, it's like a microcosm of, yeah. you know, like, make that, make mm -hmm. that, make that. Yep. It's a whole bigger sort of, like, conversation and, and you know, problem but it is also that taking a risk and doing something that you have not seen or experienced before and being able to buy into that mm -hmm. is such a it's such a challenging thing i mean obviously it's like depending on what you're doing if it's more a narrative creative thing or if it's you know more just like interview kind of stuff like it's, the stakes are different <laughs> you know they're yeah. they're lower a lot of the time but when you're really trying to like push and do something that's unique. And I feel like even in that situation, like not using music can be a risky choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, you know, like the original like harpsichords and pianos were so, if you hit a wrong note, there was no way to hide it. And, just, and <laughs> yeah. that was it. You just had to, you had to deal with it, you yeah. know? And so to be able to expose yourself in that way of like, is the, is the story compelling enough mm -hmm. is the you know are the performances good enough is it shot well enough to mm -hmm. hold without yeah extra pieces and maybe that's a good thing i mean maybe you shouldn't be putting out something unless it's really great you know i mean i mean maybe that's kind of an asshole thing to say because none of the stuff i put out i would consider great either <laughs> but you know I, I think everything i've made is sort of better than the last thing mm -hmm. and that's sort of the goal right i mean i don't know i think if you take a lot of risk with what you're doing then the rewards can be way, way greater mm -hmm. than if you're just doing cookie cutter stuff, you yeah. know? Um, so it just kind of takes the gumption to just do it, you know, sometimes. Putting something out for your own growth and evolution as well, it's like you have to be able to take a critical look at what you've already made. And if, if you've taken away more of the frills to mask 
some of that stuff. It's mm -hmm. like you have to be more critical if yeah. you did a, a good job <laughs> or not, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, you're wor if the work sucks, it's going to be plainly obvious. And then if you put some music over it to mask the fact that it sucks, yeah. maybe it's going to seem just like a normal Hollywood movie because I feel like that's what a lot of mainstream sort of films and TV are. It's yeah. just kind of like stuff that doesn't really need to be out there but they've put enough sort of fluff and gloss over the top of it to make us believe like, oh, this is worth watching. This is worth spending our time looking at mm -hmm. when most of the time I don't think it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're so oversaturated. That's another thing, man, with the whole cinematography thing. It's like, do we really need more images? Like, <laughs> we see so many images per day now compared to the people 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel guilty contributing to that, you know? That there's so much photography, video, there's so much of this stuff floating out everywhere. So it's like, why do we really need to contribute more if it's not doing anything different, if it's not pushing things forward? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we all like Stranger Things. I like Stranger Things, but I think it's completely derivative, and I don't know if anyone's going to remember it in 20 years mm -hmm. because it just references all these other um, shows and music and movies that you know people thought were good but does that make it good mm -hmm. you know i mean it was entertaining but in 20 years i think people will remember the things that uh stranger things was derived from hmm. not stranger things itself i don't know that's a weird random example i didn't see stranger things i, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch it but you've like, already seen it you've already seen I'm it sure i have that's yeah. what everyone says yeah it is an interesting point that's like what inspired the movies that came out of, you know, the any era, you mm -hmm. know? Um, yeah. I didn't see it as derivative. I saw it as inspired, and in some ways, yeah, they're doing this. It's a lot of homages, but they're also turning it into something that's they're making it their own. Mm -hmm. That I think if it evolves more, mm -hmm. sure, you mm -hmm. know? I don't think it's fully just, hey, here's the shot from this movie, and hey, here's the shot from this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, at least not the entire... Show, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, I think that is a an issue that's just, like, we're in this state of, like, I don't know if entropy is the right word, but it's, like, it's, like, when, when all we're referencing is other films, mm -hmm. what does it mean about the art that we're creating, yeah, you know, as yeah. opposed to pulling it from older source material? Like, I think, you know, even novels to movies is, is like, a thing that's, like, mm -hmm. can be kind of hacky, you know, but it's, yeah. like, pulling your inspiration from other works yeah you know? yeah yeah like i kind of miss seeing things that are based on old like like you said on old work you know mm -hmm. on literature and on paintings and things like that because it's i mean this is about to go down a really real road right now i think <laughs> but <laughs> you know the way things are right now history is sort of disappearing i feel hmm. well for one you know people sort of willfully forget the past you know and that's just you can see that just by seeing how we as a society don't learn from any of our past mistakes. So rather than actually look at things and try to figure out what went wrong or how we could be better, we just sort of try to justify our decisions. And that just sort of traps us into making the same decisions over and over. So I kind of feel like, you know, our hindsight or how, however far back we can see, it gets closer to us. You know mm. what I mean? Like, I mean, now that the internet's so convenient, people don't go out to the library anymore. So if it's not on the internet, you have a really hard time finding it or interacting with it. So there's yeah. just like huge volumes and volumes of 
art, uh, literature, all kinds of stuff that we don't have access to anymore because we're so concentrated on our recent past. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even if we're talking about film, like people don't go to the theater. Mm -hmm. They just wait for it to come, like Mm -hmm. blasted right into their TV. I remember I had a teacher a long time ago that was talking about, um, this is before, you know, Netflix could just stream everything. He's like, one day it's going to be, no one's going to go to theaters. Yeah. It's just going to be, they're just going to send a signal straight to your house. Mm-hmm. And that would be it. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah no way. Yeah. <laughs> now it's what it is, but nobody goes to the movies. Yeah. Like, I really like going and sitting there and the whole experience of it. But, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. No, I mean, I just went to the theater yesterday, you know. And it's like. What did you see? Uh, it's Doctor Strange. <laughs> 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 so not high art, but yeah. still, like, just even getting out, you know. It's yeah. Like, keeping that going Mm -hmm. but i think that's a part of it too right yeah like the internet everything has to be like immediate gratification and all of these things are being lost it it is the thing with like i haven't seen stranger things but i know it's all based on nostalgia and it's just like you're saying it's like oh well i remember all this stuff and i just want to see it again sort Mm -hmm. of reshaped for my super short attention span yeah yeah that only goes back 20 years exactly so it's like, are we doing ourselves a disservice by just mindlessly sort of going down that road? Or is it better f- that there are people trying to push against it, even though it's a futile effort? You know, I mean, you're never going to really change the tide uh, because, I mean, look at the tide. I mean, it's like the whole world. But the thing that you were saying is also like, it, who is it for also, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think some of it is we're doing it for ourself and our own growth and the growth of the the work that we create and Mm -hmm. so it's like at what point is it also our responsibility to be expanding whatever the version of it that's our how we filter the world you Mm -hmm. know how we take in art as inspiration and turn it into our own version of itself yeah yeah it's totally on us i mean yeah no one's gonna do it for us but at the same time i mean you're you're basically uh you're going against the tide Mm -hmm. you know what i mean I mean, there will always be people who are receptive to that, mm-hmm. but then the vast majority of people are just sort of plugged into this convenient mechanism of convenience mm-hmm. that uh, that we've just become accustomed to, you know? So it's kind of, I don't know, it's a... Do you think it's a doomed path, or do you think there's hope? Well, hmm. uh, I'm a pessimist, but at the same time, I think, um, you know, whatever humans do, we're going to do, and then we'll be gone eventually, so it's... It's kind of pointless. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, there is light. There's light for everyone else once we're gone, I think. You know, once we're done doing our self-serving BS, after we're gone, then the animals and the planet can finally just be like, oh, man, what was that? (laughs) That's crazy, (laughs) right? What just happened? Just watching TV and there's an episode of, um, this is going to be just nerdy, but there's an episode of X-Files that like most of it takes place in the 50s. Mm -hmm. But the thing that really stood out to me was there's two moments where they're trying to get a hold of this guy. And so they call the bar that he's at. And then the bartender's like, yeah, he's here and gives him the phone. And I was just thinking about like how fucking hard it used to be to actually like get a hold of somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Like now we just like don't have that like. Yeah, it's like it's it's everything is at our fingertips, mm-hmm. and the the act of just like you're saying, like the act of seeking something out, it's not worth the effort yeah. anymore. Yeah, or the act of avoiding, even you know, like mm-hmm. uh, with cell phones and everything, we're sort of uh, it's expected that we're reachable twenty four mm-hmm. hours a day, and most people feel an obligation to be reachable all the time, 
And so if you're one of those people who says, I'm not going to pick up my phone today for whatever reason, you know, people might think you're an asshole. But it's like, why did we all of a sudden agree that we're all going to be reachable all the time now just because we have cell phones? Mm -hmm. You know, like there has to be some kind of I feel like there has to be some kind of resistance, some kind of pushback to all of this technological sort of advancement that we're giving ourselves. You know, I say giving in quotes because it's like, are we really helping ourselves? I shouldn't say that. We're, you know, technology is great. It helps us, uh, helps us do great things. But at the same time, we need to be aware of uh, the drawbacks as well. You know, so I'm totally happy to just turn off my phone or just leave it at home. Or just, you know, take a, good, a week to get back to you. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a, it's a good time to, like, hole up in the editing bay. and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's an excuse. It's a good excuse. I was working on stuff. <laughs> do you feel like those sorts of ideas, like, do those translate into stories that you're interested in telling? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I have a bunch of ideas that are kind of in the outline stage. And then I have about three or four scripts that are sort of various levels of completion. But yeah, I still haven't found the one thing that I want to move forward with yet. And I think it's just because I'm looking for an idea that will raise awareness about the things that I find important. And then usually, you know, a lot of times if I have an idea and I run with it, it'll end up being a script, maybe even a finished script. But then by the time I'm done, I don't really feel like that's very important anymore, like mm-hmm. the ideas behind that. So I guess it's kind of uh, just hoping for the confluence of having an idea, being able to finish something in time hmm. uh, so that I still think it's relevant and then, you know, following through with it. To me, the themes are the most important part of a movie, not even the story, you know, but just uh, the underlying, the subtext, yeah. you know, because everything sort of has something to say, even if it's very subtle. I mean, I think the more subtle, the better yeah, sometimes. And you don't want you don't want to bang the no, idea over no. people's heads. No, because then it's just propaganda. You know, we have enough of that. <laughs> what at this point, like, what are the themes that you're interested in? If you've if you've really been able to like, because it's a t- I think it's a tough thing to really yeah. identify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, I think love is a pretty important theme. You know, I feel just like. Um, uh, recognizing the value of others, you know, re- realizing that everyone's life is complex and that everyone has the same feelings and hopes and dreams. Just realizing that we're kind of all the same, not not just humans, but, you know, I, I feel like all life is the same, you know, and uh, plants and animals deserve just as much respect as we do. And I don't know, I think we're going down a road that's very self-serving, especially, I mean, we're sort of in the thick of it right now. And so I really am valuing themes that are sort of affirming that, you know, helping others is is just like helping yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The other side of that too is like, what's the right way to, to say it? It's just like, what is, what is our like responsibility as filmmakers, storytellers to translate that into a story that does connect to someone else, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. You have the theme, and then there's the process of making, you know, a film or whatever yeah. you're doing, writing a novel, anything. Yeah. But it's like it, it also, at its best, has that additional connection mm-hmm. to someone else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why, I think that's why filmmaking is the hardest thing you can do. There's so many facets to the problem of making a movie. 
that it's almost like an impossible undertaking. It's like, why would you even start, you know? Yeah, there's just so much to it. So I kind of feel, at least for myself, I feel a, a responsibility to only go down the path if I feel like it's going to be beneficial somehow to somebody. And without that, it's just like, I'll never really get off the ground if that's not there, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, honestly, for me, the theme theme part is easy. You know, it's the story, like the particulars, how you're going to express the theme through a story with characters mm-hmm. is something that I struggle with a lot, you know? Well, I think even what you're saying about the subtleness of it, how do you... Cause it's it for me it's a very like film school way to be like i have this theme and then every single action that takes place is reinforcing mm-hmm. the theme and yeah. then the end of the movie is very like it's a very you know it's like thesis conclusion like yeah. to be able to fold that in so you're not overtly thinking of it and it's not <laughs> it, you know it's like yeah. how do you do that in a way that is just a story about people, this event, whatever, mm-hmm. that, that you can experience in that way. Yeah, that's the thing. How do you do that? That's why I think, yeah, it just takes a lifetime of learning and practicing because and some people never get it. You know, I feel like I might never get it. Um, and some people do. And those people end up being, you know, these great filmmakers. And then people like me end up just making stuff that no one ever sees, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't make you not a great filmmaker. No. It's because nobody sees it. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Thank you for saying that. I liked your movie. <laughs> I thought Thanks. it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> so. It was, it, it might be good. I, I agree. I think 10, 11, 02 is a good movie. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's good. Like when I watch it, I can watch it without cringing mm-hmm. and I can agree that it's good, but I don't think it's great. I still see all the flaws in it mm-hmm. and I still see all the things that I'd like to have done differently. So I wonder, though, if that's ever possible to make something, no matter how good other people think it is, Mm -hmm. to identify with it that way yourself, you know? I think that's the the never-ending challenge as as an artist, Mm -hmm. you know? Do you want to keep making movies? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah. You want to make another feature? I mean, I know you said you'd be happy not to make another feature, but it hasn't, like, discouraged you, right? No, I mean, yeah, I, I would not feel incomplete if I didn't get to make another feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would love to make one. You know, everyone sort of has a way that they're trying to give themselves a voice that other people can hear farther than just your friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, we have this medium that has all this potential, but it's extremely hard to, to crack the nut, you know, to really yeah. figure out the formula or to crack the code. So... I think that's a great opportunity. You know, if you if you do find yourself actually figuring it out, then yeah, you kind of owe it to yourself to go and do it because it's so hard, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Part of it is like I think you know, like embedded in our culture that it's like the idea that to be an artist you have to suffer, but it's also like I think to do good work, you're constantly on yourself and and it's it, when it never feels like it's good enough mm-hmm. but it's also like you are growing it's like this the pains of growing and evolving to find that work to find that thing that maybe you spend your entire lifetime finding you mm-hmm. know yeah like it's going to be a frustrating process yeah you know and, and i don't think that's necessarily bad but i think it's also like being able to you know be patient with it too yeah. And yeah, you just touched on something too that I find really interesting, which is that I draw parallels to movies and life all the time. 
but I noticed that Jesus and Buddha said you have to give up all your personal possessions. Basically, you have to live in poverty in order to really experience a human life. And I don't, you know, I think um, nowadays there are studies to show that if you have your basic needs met, having more money than that doesn't really increase your happiness at all. Mm-hmm. In the same way, movies sort of, uh, you know, we can see the same things in movies because a $400 million movie isn't necessarily going to be better than a $1 million movie. You know, <laughs> it's like if you have a million dollars to make a movie, yeah. you should be able to make a really fucking great movie. You know, yeah. And if you have a four hundred million dollar budget, you should be able to make a movie that's four hundred times better yeah. than that one one million dollar movie. Um, but that's obviously not the case. So, so, so I don't mind, you know, working on low budget productions or looking at low budget productions because, you know, in, in a way, there might be a lot more heart and soul involved in the making of a movie like that compared to one where you're just you know, some big wig sitting on a director's chair with millions of dollars at your disposal. Just and sitting on a pile of money. Yeah, exactly. Your director's chair is a pile of money. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's made out of money. Maybe it's like... Um, it's like pressure. Pressed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you just throw it in the trash when you're done with it. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a good day. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of heart and soul in the, in the struggle. Yeah. You know, and that holds true for movie making or life in general. And I think it is that, like, putting in the time and the effort to really seek out what is, for you, what is a good story? What, mm-hmm. is, a, what is a story that is worth bending over backwards and, mm-hmm. do, you know, like, taking all this time to put it out there so it may hopefully impact somebody, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the, the reward of that, but also, like, as intentional and mindful as you can be about what you want to create. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We agree. <laughs> anything that that uh you haven't had a chance to talk about that that you think is yeah i'm finding uh political culture pretty interesting right now i mean i don't want to talk very specifically about that but mm-hmm. i had the thought this morning that that relates to kind of our history talk you mm-hmm. know about our sort of history bubble is falling following us yeah. along the arrow of time I, f- I found myself sort of questioning history and i feel like a lot of people are doing this now where it's like there's so many sources of information that you don't know who to trust. Yeah. And you don't even know if you can trust the information you got before because, you know, we don't trust the government anymore, but we all receive public school education. So what does that mean? Was, yeah. I, was I being fed lies my whole life? And, if, and then if you look back and, you, you know, you're sort of trying to go back and look at something historical, depending on your source, you could be reading, you know, a million different things about the same event. So it kind of makes me think, like, what is going on and what's true and what matters, you know? Because mm-hmm. nobody really knows. They're, they're, it's like truth is disappearing, mm-hmm. you know? It's like truth has become completely subjective. And I don't know if I think that's such a good thing, you know? But I guess truth is always subjective. I mean, history is always subjective. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest, re- well, a big reason for that right now is it goes back to our little our internet discussion how mm-hmm. everything is readily disposable mm-hmm. not disposable at your disposal mm-hmm. um so you can access any sort of um information you need instantly mm-hmm. and they're like it's a lot of social media like i'm on twitter like all day and i follow like mm-hmm. i read shit constantly yeah. right for like hours i just read news stuff mm-hmm. but a lot of it is all the same stories with all these different opinions 
and then there's some differing opinions and then some fake news will come and you're right you can't tell yeah. like what's new or what's real what's fake what to believe mm-hmm. what's manufactured what is like just spin and i think like i like to think of myself as educated and savvy but there are millions and millions of people who aren't who just take shit at face yeah. value and now that is their reality and yeah mm-hmm. but even people like us i mean i i feel like i'm fairly well educated as well but I'm even reaching the point where I don't know, you yeah. know, I don't know what to believe because yeah. I can't, tr- I don't feel like I can trust any of my sources. Yeah. It's not that I feel like I can't trust them, but you can see how everything is manipulated for a purpose. Yeah. And so it sort of drives me toward this fringe area of conspiracy theory and mm-hmm. things like that, which I'm not very comfortable in that I'm not comfortable in that arena, but you know, it's like, what can you believe? You yeah. know, like. Well, I also think that in a lot of ways, it's like I think I think the conspiracy theory side of it is also like to be really like certain that it's intentional. I also think that it's not. It's just a like 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 we're a, mm. a hard drive of history that needs to get defragged. It's just yeah. like it's just <laughs> con- conflicting information yeah. that starts to break down as it as it meets with itself you know mm-hmm. and so it's like now you get this thing where it's like nothing is nothing's true there's no such thing as facts people mm-hmm. call opinions facts yeah and there's just this really interesting space where you can def- you can refute everything or say that anything is true just by saying it and, yeah. that's, a, and that's all you have to do yeah and then you get all these arguments that come from those conversations you mm-hmm. know and that um, space is called the world we live in now, you know, <laughs> which is scary. Cause yeah, I don't it's going to get weird, man. Yeah. So but, how do we make all this better with movies, guys? Well, that's that's actually a really... <laughs> no, it's a, but it's a really... It's 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 something that, like, we were talking about um, uh, that's like, what does this mean? What is the time period that we live in, the, the events that are going on historically, currently? What does that mean for art mm-hmm. in the next... Four, eight, ten, twenty, whatever years. So we're dead. So yeah. we're dead. Yeah. My opinion is yes, of course. But the question is, is it going to change the art that's being created to reflect mm-hmm. what we're experiencing right now? Yeah. I mean, I guess so. I kind of feel like art, in a way, is watered down only because there's so much of it now. Mm. You know, I mean, now anyone can get a hold of a camera and be a filmmaker, mm-hmm. just the same way everyone. At one point in history, everyone was able to get a pen and become a writer. That doesn't mean that everyone's a good writer yeah. um, or that literature is going to disappear, but there's a lot more shit to sift through, yeah. you know? Like the ratio of, you know, really, of masterpieces to just garbage is is huge now. So, yeah, I think there's still ways to sort of fight the sort of trend, but it's just becoming harder and harder i mean we're just you know we're drops in an ocean you know i mean it is it it is interesting sort of like the futility of what we try to do you know like because there there is definitely a point where you could just kind of be like ah fuck it i don't i don't it's not worth it but Mm -hmm. it is worth it yeah but then also is your stuff going to go viral probably not Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like how and how do you be a voice that can break through that noise, and I feel like that the the idea of noise in like like YouTube and cr- like filmmaking, it's easily like within the last five years, it's been a, a, a the same kind of an issue. It's mm-hmm. just there's so much stuff. Yeah. 
think we'll end it with that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we didn't talk about movies really that much. Yeah, we did. Don't talk about movies. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, so we're not. Cool. Yeah. These are. Yeah, these are. They're. I mean, they're cool because they're all different. Yeah. You know. And yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about movies. It's more about like. I mean, I think that is the thing of like why we called it why we do this, but it's mm-hmm. like what keeps us going, what yeah, interests yeah. us about it, and if it has nothing to do with film, that's pretty interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. it's not a movie review hour. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, can I also say, uh, please watch my movie. It's called Ten Eleven O Two, and it's available on Vimeo on demand. We've seen it. It's great. Yeah, we really like it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for sharing with us. Yeah. Thanks for coming by. Oh yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again to Mackenzie Mathis for being on the show. Um, again, like he said, uh, you can see his film 101102 on Vimeo On Demand. Uh, we'll we, put that link on the post as well. Yeah, we totally recommend you check it out. It's, it's a really interesting film. And now here is our epilogue. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy New Year, everybody. All right. Bye. Butt City. Butt City. <laughs> Going down to Butt City. What do you think, like, a business... What do you think Butt City would be? <laughs> like a oh. pants factory? What? A oh, business called Butt City? Yeah. <laughs> yeah what, would, what would Butt City... The, if there were a business... Okay, if you were to inherit a business called Butt City... Right? From like a fucking wizard or something. So yeah, and, like no, the, no, man, the was... man in the suit in the briefcase just knocks on your door one day and says, all right, you're great, whatever, like, great Left uncle. you $10 million as his inheritance. However, there's a catch. The caveat, you're like, oh, do I have to sleep in his haunted mansion? And you go, no. He, 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 he had to... an incorporated business called Butt City. <laughs> you have to run it now. You have to run it. What is it? There's another catch. You have to figure out what it does. It's like a riddle. Yeah. No, you have to like come up with the best business for butts, like Brewster's Millions or whatever, where you have to just spend a whole bunch of money or you don't get it. Butster's Millions. <laughs> butt but, City. But you have to like, you have to come up with the perfect business for Butt City, or you don't get. So uh, the butt, dog, the butt right? of a gun. You just Cigarette wait. Butt. butt City, the company is just the butt. So what is what? What do you guys do? The butt of a gun. No, they make. <laughs> they make. They just make the part of guns. They just make the butt. They just make the butt. They just make cigarette butts. I think they should make like pants or chairs or something. Maybe it's anything. It could be a play on words. You go, like you go to Butt that... City and you get a chair. Yeah, for your butt. <laughs> it's like anything that a butt comes in contact with. <laughs> you got benches, chairs. Pants. It's a shitty business model. <laughs> Toilets. Toilets. <laughs> Toilets, yeah. <laughs> Butt city. Butt city. Wallets. <laughs> Where could I go to get a new pair of jeans, a wallet, and a toilet? Butt city. <laughs> That's a $10 million Hey, idea. guys, it's me. Oh, the, oh, is, the, he, is he a butt face? Yeah, the, well, the mascot? their mascot's a butt. <laughs> he goes, let me just check out this chair here. Oh, this is a comfortable <laughs> chair. He's just putting his Bearing face in the face of the chair. Is his butt a face? <laughs> oh, is, it, is his butt a face? Is his, like, head backwards? It's like, talking out of his pants. <laughs> Ooh, I want to go down. <laughs> I can't hear you. Okay, hold on. He just pulls his pants. Oh, God. Hey. Is it like, like, like a, like a uh, hood pulls, like, pants with pockets over his <laughs> butt head. 
what's what was it's wallet like little Oshkosh bagosh pants that he's wearing all upside down with like the little fucking elastic waistband just to cover the butt. Is it like a normal size butt or is it like? Oh wait, he's, he's got like a, a butt on mascot? his head. Yeah. yeah. Oh okay. But for whatever reason, he talks out of his his like face, which is down in his where his butt would be. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Butt city. He's got a butt for a face and a face for a butt. And he wears Oshbagosh Bagosh so jeans with you an go to a store on his head. Where they only sell things that your butt comes in contact with. Yeah. And then this fucking freak comes at you. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna help you with anything. You're like, oh god. Let me show you how this one works. <laughs> he starts rubbing his face, which is a butt, in the chair. I like that he's the mascot and like the only person that works there. <laughs> He was mascot and the CEO. <laughs> oh, so when he inherits the money, he like slowly as time goes on, his face starts turning into a butt. Yeah, that's the other caveat. And your face will Did turn he, into a butt. Does he sign like a magic contract? <laughs> and the guy just disappears. That just sounds like a curse. He just like laughs and disappears. Poops. I'm, I'm that, uh, like as he signs it, his ass just goes, I'm free! <laughs> and then farts away. Like a deflating balloon. Yeah, it just fucking deflates on your front porch. So, I don't know. I would go to Butt City. But would you see the movie? <laughs> no, i just read the book. The, the adaptation? The book, the choose-your-own-adventure. No, the, like, you... Th- like, never-ending the... story starts happening to you. I got this book called Butt City. What are some blank pages? Because you have to write your own story. Oh, so you get the book Butt City, and it's and this then a boy book. went into a bookstore and bought a book called Butt City. <laughs> he started reading the book, and right behind him was a talking ass. What? Hey! Oh God! He, he started going through changes. His face started feeling like an ass. Like an ass. Stop reading the book. Uh, you must stop now. Don't read the book. Don't had, turn another page. He had this obsession with starting a store that sold pants and chairs, wallets and toilets. Anything that a butt <laughs> comes in contact with, you could buy in this supermarket. So is he still reading Butt City, the book? While he's running the company. <laughs> what happens next? Oh, man, what do I do? I need to... It's like, I the, al- it's like the almanac from Back to the Future 2. It's like, that got was... it in his desk. He pulls out a book called Butt City <laughs> when he needs to find the answer. Oh, let's see. What do I do? Meet with the accountant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound that interesting. Can go through my books again. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Butt City book. <laughs> So, Butt City, the book now, is the never-ending story that this little boy started reading, and a, a haunted butt man came up from behind. <laughs> a haunted butt man? <laughs> and then he, like, turned into a butt so he could run Butt City, and he consults with Butt City, the book, to figure out, like, his next business model. How to run the business? It just How starts to... turning into, like, a, a user's manual? And a calendar. Butt and City this for kid dummies. Finds it one day. He's like, oh, hey, I stole this from Don't my Don't touch dad. that, no! What's in Butt City? It's like, it's like one night, just like, son, I promise you, you will never have to run Butt City. <laughs> Dies with me. Or he gets really, like, competitive. Like, my dad doesn't know what he's doing. I need to take over the company. <laughs> His face fucking morphs. <laughs> It's the curse is true. Wait, he sees his dad that has a butt for a face <laughs> and a face for a butt, and he's like, "I want to be like him." 
Son, trust me, you don't want this. <laughs> One day, son, all of this can be yours. You mean it, Dad? He's trying to reason with his son. You don't want to go to Butt City. <laughs> Just getting drunk. <laughs> I need to tell you something, son. You can't do it. So wait, how did this start? It's like a guy shows up to your door with like your there's uncle. No, there's no one way. <laughs> the script hasn't been written. Well, it writes itself like never-ending story. The script is that how the movie written. was made? Yeah, this like mysterious butt man showed up at fucking... Oh, so someone finds the book called Butt City and they read it and it's just a really boring account of a guy running a business that he goes, I gotta make this into a movie. <laughs> And he, like, options it and turns it into a script called Butt City. <laughs> Butt City the movie. And everybody thinks that he's making, like, trash. Yeah. Like a fucking Russ Meyer film. But it's this, like, beautiful, like, story of, like, <laughs> family and, like, hard work. Tom Hanks in this Butt is City. Whole, like, work ethic. Yeah. He doesn't want his son to follow in his footsteps because it's just tortured him, like, his whole life. He's like the guy from, uh, did you see that report on the guy from Chobani who, like, gave everyone in his company, like, a piece of the company? <laughs> so he's like that guy where he's, like, a really charitable, awesome person. He, like, gives everyone in his company, like, a piece of it. You all have a piece of Butt City. The legacy of Butt City. The house He's got, like, Butt a portrait. He's got, like, a really nice portrait of his weird butt face. <laughs> 